I have the privilege this morning of introducing you to, first of all, my friend. His name is Jim Dunn, but he's Dr. Jim Dunn, and uh, he's been a friend of mine for a number of years. He's been a coach and a mentor to me uh, long before that was an official uh, reality. Uh, in the past, past year, our church has been selected by our Wesleyan Investment Foundation to be a part of a program. Uh, some of you have been aware of this for a number of months. We've been selected as part of a program called the Next Level uh, Initiative, Next Level, Next Level Leadership Initiative. And uh, as a part of that, I have had a personal coach who uh, happens to also be a friend of mine and a personal coach before it was official. Uh, but he's been walking with our church for the last six months and and uh, has been walking with me for a lot longer on uh, how to uh, lead our church and lead uh, in our reality to uh, uh, lead the charge as a kingdom-minded body of believers. And uh, what has taken place inside of my life has been transformational and incredible and wonderful. And I believe what's taken place inside of our church uh, is equally as such. Yesterday, we spent um, a bunch of hours in a room with Dr. Dunn. Uh, a bunch of our leaders, our board, our staff, uh, spent some hours with him uh, learning to uh, take some of the areas of our church to the next level again. And I'm excited about what God uh, is doing in and through that time together. And uh, this morning, Dr. Jim is here to deliver the word of God to our hearts. And I hope uh, you will give him your full attention. And I hope you'll allow the Holy Spirit to do a work inside of you and allow those walls that we build up so often inside of us where we think, I, I'm just going to sit here for the next 30 minutes and be done. I, I allow the Holy Spirit to do a work inside of you. And because I believe God is doing something in our midst. Would you welcome my friend, Dr. Jim Dunn. Thanks, brother. Love you. Love you too. Well, good morning. Good morning. There's three of you that are here. Let's try it again. Good morning. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I'm just getting you warmed up because I need some help preaching today. Okay. This is something that uh, it's a quite an honor for me to be here at Hyde and uh, to be here with Pastor Stevan and Jess and the rest of your staff and your leaders and to be a part of uh, just walking alongside the church this year. I do work with Wesleyan Investment Foundation and uh, it's something where typically we're a church savings and loan, but the leadership of the foundation decided, you know what, we'd like to give back to churches. And so uh, I travel the country and just simply try to come alongside and provide some encouragement once in a while it's a tug once in a while it's a kick and once in a while it's just coming alongside and put my arm around somebody and say come on let's get after it for Jesus Christ amen the clock is ticking folks and uh, time's running out and we need to take as many people with us to heaven as possible amen amen now some of you are not used to saying amen it's okay you're, you're going to get it someday, and maybe even in heaven, you might say amen there, because it really means let it happen. So I'm all ready for heaven, and I hope you are as well. So it's good to be with you today, and I'm here to preach a sermon, actually out of Acts chapter 2, called Becoming the Church That God Dreams Of. You know, people have dreams, and some people are disillusioned by their dreams, and think that they've been crushed, or maybe even God's let them down. Churches have dreams, and sometimes you think, you know, I wish we were... Uh, 
whatever, and uh, you might even think that you've been disappointed as a church sometimes as a dream. I, when, my first visit to Hyde and the Clearfield area were probably 15 years ago, and uh, at that point in time, uh, there was really only one GPS. It was called a AAA map, and it took me to your old property. And I don't even know what street that's on, but I remember coming to work for, with the district and to uh, do some training and some seminars that day. And I pulled up to uh, the old property. Uh, some of you don't even know where I'm talking about either. Some of you do because you moved here from there. And uh, I thought, well, uh, it's time to start and almost felt like Sunday morning in some places, you know, because nobody's here. And so apparently this is the wrong place. And then I drove over here and found this, and somebody had a dream to make this happen. Somebody had some faith and took some risks to be able to believe God to make this facility and this property happen. And God is continuing that dream over and over again. I believe that God wants every church to be effective. I believe that God wants every Every church to grow. I believe that God wants every church to protect the message of the scriptures and wants us also to change the methods of how we do it. Now I come from a long line of pastors and uh, one of your members had uh, my grandfather as a college professor and a college administrator. And back in his day, they used to get in trouble for going to all night gospel sings. You know, the Gaither stuff that you have on your DVDs. Some of you, you're still your VHS tapes in your living room. Yeah, it wasn't because they broke curfew to go to the all-night gospel sing. It was because gospel music was of the devil. And so all that Gaither stuff is damaging to your soul. I, I hate to tell you that today. And they couldn't figure out sometimes back in those legalistic days how to change the method of how the truth, the message of Jesus, which doesn't need to change, is delivered. Now sometimes we go too far, and sometimes maybe we're even just stuck in our ways and we've indoctrinated some things. I was talking to another one of your members today, having some fun with him, and uh, he's here this morning, and he was telling me about his background, and I told him about a guy that came to my church when I pastored that had a similar background, and uh, this guy, his name was, uh, uh, I can't remember, Walter, it was his name, the guy from my church. And he said, you know, I've been, been to your church for about a month now and I can't figure you out. I said, well, it, it takes a while. I'm still trying to learn about myself as well. He said, no, your church. I, I can't figure your church out. I said, well, Walter, I, I'd be happy to try to ex explain something. Do you have a question? He said, yeah, I don't get it. I've been here for a month and you guys haven't had a church fight yet. That's what he said. I didn't know that churches were known to have church fights every month, but apparently some are. And I said, Walter, you're welcome to come here. I hope you don't start fights in churches that you attend because we're, we're, we're supposed to be lovers, not fighters. But anyway, all kinds of different perceptions, all kinds of different perspectives of what church should be. What would be helpful is if we looked in the truth of God to find out on the birthday of the church in Acts chapter 2 what kind of church does God think or dream 
about. There's one particular verse in this chapter. I am going to work my way all the way down to verse 47. So hopefully you brought your lunch. I know pastor said it's the next 30 minutes. I don't know what he's thinking, but anyway, hopefully you're ready to be here till about three o'clock. There's nothing on this afternoon. And it's really dark and cloudy and rainy outside. So it's no big deal. But Acts chapter two, verse 36 simply says this. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, brothers and sisters, what shall we do? Lord, this is your truth. And in this moment, we are your people. Would you speak to us? And through the power of your spirit that we're going to talk about today, because your scriptures tell us that you came through your Holy Spirit, may the power of your spirit not only speak to us, but change us. We've come in a certain way. Help us to go home different. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. There are a few things that the early church did. They're gathered on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is a feast from the Old Testament. And it literally means that God's presence is coming alongside to bless you. It's something that was celebrated in the Old Testament 50 days after the Passover season. And in this particular case, they're gathered in Jerusalem for the same celebration. Events have happened, though, at this particular Pentecost that have changed the world. Now, you can imagine if somebody came and visited your home for Christmas time, Time, if you will, or Easter time, that they might come around in this year, April the 21st, and uh, then Pentecost this year would be on June the 9th. So you think at Christmas, they're, they're, you know, you're kind of tired of them after three or four days. People start to smell after four days. But anyway, you're kind of tired of all this company. Well, these people hung around in Jerusalem around their family members for 50 days. Well, this particular occasion, Jesus has lived his life. He's been unjustly crucified on the cross of Calvary. He's given his life for the sins of the world. On the third day, just as he said, he rose from the dead. He's been seen by over 500 witnesses with nail-scarred hands. He ascends into heaven 40 days after the resurrection. And now he tells, before he leaves, he tells these apostles who were disciples, they were followers of Christ, but now he's out of here. And in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 1 actually, they turn into apostles, messengers of Christ. And they are told to wait in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to come on them. It's 10 days that they wait. I have a question that I've tucked in the back of my jeans and I'm headed to heaven someday. And I want to ask a few questions. One of the questions is, what happened to God between Ascension Day, 40 days after the resurrection, and Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after the resurrection, was God missing for 10 days? Now, God is not limited by time and space. He's not limited by our knowledge and trying to figure everything out. I, I've looked on Wikipedia. There's no answer for it. I'm really confused. But regardless of my confusion, here's the story. They're gathered in the upper room and the Holy Spirit comes into this room. It's evidenced in two different ways. One is that there's a, a rushing wind that comes on them. Apparently it's different. Apparently it's not January in the hills of Pennsylvania. Apparently they've never felt this before and it cuts right through them. Not only is Peter's message going to cut to the heart, but the wind cuts into their room and they know that it's different. A giant rushing wind comes 
on them. That's one evidence that they had never seen before. And they were wondering, if, is this the gift? Is this the presence of the Holy Spirit? The second thing that happens, no scholar in the world knows what it means, is that tongues of fire came dancing on their head. I, I've never seen tongues of fire dancing on anybody's head. I don't know what that means. Lots of people have tried to interpret it. I, I did have a lady in the past, when I pastored a church in Central Indiana for 15 years, about 19 years ago, who at a Christmas Eve service got a candle way too close to her Christmas hairdo. And that was almost something on fire on her. We got it out. She's okay. Now our insurance company makes us use flashlights on our cell phones. Thank you very much. But regardless, I've never seen a tongue of fire dancing on something. Somebody's head. I don't know what it means. Some people have interpreted it based on what's happening in Acts chapter 2, so we might as well just deal with it, to say that you have to have some kind of uh, external or heavenly prayer language in order for you to have the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's not what happened in this passage at all. They've extrapolated or read into the truth, and the, here's the thing, the gift of the Holy Spirit Spirit is not evidenced by something that you do. It's evidenced by something that you are. There's fruit of the Spirit. Like one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. It'd be okay for some of you to let that hit your face once on Sunday. You ought to try to preach sometimes. Another one is to be kind, like to people that aren't kind back. Another one is forbearance. I have no idea what that means. There's patience. I'm trying my patience with this sermon already. You've got to be kidding me. There's fruit of the Spirit that's supposed to be evidenced in our life. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And here they've been given the Holy Spirit. And the language thing that's going on here, if we care to stick our nose into the Scripture, by the way, that's the original Facebook. Just put your face right in the Scriptures. God has a post for you, a thread for you to read. It's really awesome. You ought to check it out. The gift of the Spirit and what's going on here is that these people are gathered. God is finally coming alongside of them again to walk with them, to help them. It literally is a Greek word called paraclete, which when I was a kid... I thought Jesus was a baseball fan, pair of cleats, but it really means that he's on the right, he's on the left, he's above me, he's below me, he's in front of me, sometimes he's kicking me in the backside behind me. His presence is with me all the way long, and he has power that's available for every person. The Holy Spirit. Some authors call him the missing God. But he shouldn't be missing in the Holy Trinity. That God has come as creator. And God has come as savior. And that same God has come as my helper. Anybody need the power of the Holy Spirit in their life? Now you might be thinking... You might be thinking that this is some kind of radical sermon and how in the world, Pastor Stephen, did you let this guy in here? I can go on record to tell you that I've never swung from a chandelier because I got so radical. If I did, they'd fall out of the ceiling. Look at me. 
I'll go on record that I'm not incredibly outwardly demonstrative. It takes me a little bit, takes a, takes my, my, my goose to be bumped a little bit more than yours apparently to raise my hand in worship. I, I'm kind of an even-keeled guy, but I'm here to tell you that the early church believed in some things. They did some things, and the offer is on the table for Hyde Wesleyan Church today. Are you ready? The first thing they did was they believed in the supernatural. They believed in the supernatural. The supernatural power of God. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the natural. Here they are, being able to understand what was being said. This rushing wind had come in. Peter starts preaching this text in Acts chapter 2. It's recorded for us. We're going to work our way through it. And a supernatural thing happens. He's speaking in his language, his dialect. And he, all of these people from all over the region are gathered there. And he's speaking in one language. They understand in another. It's a, a human, earthly language. It'd be like me. I'm from Indianapolis. Sometimes I speak Hoosier. But all you can hear is Nittany Lion. <laughs> That's a miracle. It'd be like me who was reared in Phoenix and uh, loved, fell in love with Willie Mays and Bobby Bonds and, and Willie McCovey. And, and, and for those of you who don't know who they are, they're, they're, they're famous baseball players. And I, I became a, a San Francisco Giants fan. And, and, and I'll speak Giants and all you can understand is Pirate or Phillies or Fanatic or whatever that is. It'd be like me saying that, that I can only speak through a trombone and you're saying, man, I don't understand anything but guitar. There's a transfer of information here where the Holy Spirit has taken what is said, even in modern day preaching, and applying it to ears so that people can understand the way that God needs to speak to them. The supernatural was happening, but there were some that wanted to explain it away and say that it was natural. There were some that were kind of in the back of the room and, and they knew they had to come up with an explanation. You know, this, this could get out of hand if we don't explain this in the right way. We need to, we need to spin this. And the pundits of, of CNN and Fox News in the first century were worried about how this would get out. And, and they came up with an explanation. We got it. We, we, we know what happened. <clears throat> At the press release, it appears that it's 9 o'clock in the morning, and all of these people are out of their mind drunk. That's what's happened. That's what they said. You think the Bible's boring? Check it out. That's what they came up with. They tried to explain away the power of God. I, I don't know about you, but I need the supernatural power of God in my life. I, I need the supernatural power of God in my house. I need the supernatural power of God in my community. I need the supernatural power of God. How about it, Hyde Wesleyan? Do you need the supernatural power of God? He's available. He's already come. And you're leaving him on the table. When will you pick him up and allow him to come into your life and give you the power to live a life that is pleasing to God? Do you believe in the supernatural? Or do you try to explain it away? Now my grandmother, if she were here, she'd be running the aisle right now. She'd be so excited, let alone her grandson was preaching. But, but 
She'd be full of the Spirit and say, well, she was kind of radical, wasn't she? No, no, she wasn't radical at all. She, she wasn't somebody that you would think was off the cliff with this stuff. She was somebody that knew what it meant to need the power of God, that she needed it for the next day, that she needed him for the next meal, that she needed him for the next crisis that came. She needed the stability and the power of God, and she wasn't afraid to say amen or wave her holy hanky all over the place. She would not allow any Pentecostal steal the Pentecost power from her. There's power available for you. You say, I, I, I don't know. I, this is foreign to me. It's okay. I'm the stranger. I'm the foreigner here. And unfortunately, it's foreign in a lot of places. I would love to come back in a year. I would. I'd, I'd love to come back in another, another Easter. And I would love to come into this place and I would love to see these two services that you have packed to the gills. I'd love to see people pack, parking on the volleyball court back there, getting stuck in sand. I would love to see this front yard full of cars. I would love to come in and just simply snuggle up next to Stevan and say, man, it looks like people are being drawn to the truth. It looks like people all over this region are accepting Christ and here to worship. And I'd love to get next to him and say, what's going on here? And he's an intelligent guy, but I would love for his answer to be, I have no idea. <laughs> Why? Because the only thing that could explain it, that men and women and boys and girls are making their decisions to Christ and they're here to worship the living Savior and they're giving their faith away on a, on a daily basis at their school, at their workplace, to their neighbors, even neighbors that are kind of cranky sometimes. They know what it means to be so full of Jesus and His Spirit that Jesus oozes out of them. And the only explanation couldn't be because somebody was a great leader. The only explanation is because God is at work in His Supernatural power. How about it, Hyde? Another thing they did was they dreamt. They dreamt, what if? What if God would pour his spirit out? You say, Jim, you don't know my family. You're right. What if God could pour his spirit out on your family? You, you don't understand my marriage. You're right. I don't. What if God could pour his spirit out on your marriage? You, you don't understand my kid. He's 16. You were 16. Think about it for a while. What if God could pour his spirit out on your teenager? What, what if God could pour his spirit out on your workplace? What if God poured his spirit out like never before on Hyde Wesley? And that's the church that God dreams of, that we would get on our face before God and say, God, we can't do this, but we know that you can. They dreamt. They dreamt what if. They wondered what God would do next. They didn't wander aimlessly through life. Now, I, I know some of you are looking at me and you're saying, well, la-dee-da. <laughs> That's nice that Jesus loves you and that he's helped you and he's done everything that, that you think he should do in your life. Don't go so fast. Some of you may know, some of you don't. Five and a half years ago, I lost my wife at the age of 44 to cancer. My son was 18, my daughter was 16. It was awful. I was having a moment with my washing machine the day after she died. My son was a freshman in college. 
He left in August, came back for her funeral in November, and hadn't done any laundry, if you know what I mean. I'm having a moment with a washing machine at about 6 in the morning, and I'm pouring myself out to God, literally draping myself over the washing machine. It survived. Don't worry about it. It's something where I'm just pouring myself out. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to be. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to be a mom to my junior and high school daughter. You have to help me. I was crying excessively, sobbing. Don't worry, I did not check in my man card because first I was doing laundry and secondly I was sobbing like a baby. My daughter heard me and came downstairs and she put her arms around me. She said, Daddy, I miss her too. I'm sorry. She's 16, she said this. Didn't she live her life like she was supposed to? Did she give her life to Jesus? Did she witness to other people in our community? Wasn't she a great wife? Wasn't she a great mom? Don't you go all over the place preaching all over the world, literally telling people to get ready to go to heaven? Didn't she do what you ask everybody to do from a pulpit? Isn't part of that okay? I didn't say it. I thought it. I didn't say it. I know Jesus says, if you thunk it, you might as well have said it. I wanted to look at her and say, you're 16, what do you know? Just go back to your broom. I didn't say it, the wisdom that came out of that babe that day. You see, I need the supernatural power of God to get me through the worst season of life where the pain continues to come back, where those things, those moments come back, those memories come back, those smells come back, those events come back, where God in His sustaining power can keep me stayed, can keep me solid, can keep me in His grip on a daily basis. Don't you look at me and say, well, hunky-dory for you. We need super, okay, you don't. I need supernatural power in my life because I can't explain all of this. I wonder, I wonder what it would be like to have the Holy Spirit's power poured out on you. They believed in the supernatural. They dreamt what if. They, they focused on Jesus they focused on Jesus. Think about what you focused on this week. Okay, don't think about it. But, th- but just think about what other people focused on this week. They, they're listening to Peter in verses 21 through 36 to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Peter knew it, and whoever invented automobiles knew it because they put it on a bumper sticker. Jesus saves. Hyde Wesleyan doesn't save. Jim doesn't save. Stephen doesn't save. Pastor Bob doesn't save. Pastor John doesn't save. Pastor Sherry doesn't save. Pastor Angel doesn't save. Pennsylvania doesn't save. I know, shocker. Jesus saves. And that's it. There's only one name under heaven and earth by which you and I can be saved. His name literally means salvation. You sang it this morning with Hosanna. It literally means the Lord saves. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. That we should be proclaimers of Jesus and His salvation and His grace. That we can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. You know, when you mention the very name of Jesus, the dirty dude, Satan himself, has to go. You say, I I don't know where that's at. It's in the book of James. It's another Facebook post. Check it out. There's another piece that Peter's preaching, and it is that it's impossible to defeat him. 
All the powers on earth, above earth, under the earth, all the powers and principalities, nothing can defeat Jesus. Whose team do you want to be in? You're focusing on who's in March Madness tomorrow night or your bracket got busted over the weekend. I don't know what you're focused on. When's the last time that you would literally pour your guts into Jesus, that you would allow him to lead your life through whatever it is that you're facing? Our focus should be on stuff that's eternal and the only eternal name that I know is Jesus. They focused on Jesus and they knew that Jesus, because Peter's telling them, is at the right hand of the Father, both Lord and Messiah. He's our Savior and he's the ruler of the universe. I want to be on his side. How about you? There's a culture that we're living in that's focused on all kinds of stuff. They're focused on whether or not it's going to snow on Easter this year. I heard that at a gas station this week. Think it's going to snow on Easter? I have no idea. When's it? Is Easter in July? I I don't know. If it does, we'll use colored eggs. We find them in the snow. It's okay. They focused on themselves. There's a guy on a plane recently, and he's telling me all about his titles and degrees and just going on and 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 on. It was really laborious to listen to. It's a focus on self and how great you are and... Apparently you're self-invented. Congratulations, you did a nice job. I, I'm pretty sure you didn't invent yourself. They're focused on whatever's going on in, in the media. They're focused on Russia and the Mueller investigation. Every conversation we have, we ought to have a goal to bring it back to Jesus. You say, well, I don't want to be a freak. I do. Well, that's good for you. Go ahead, do, do that. No, because I know what it means for him to save me. I know what it means to have sin forgiven. I know what it means to live in his favor. You say, yeah, but there's stuff that happened to you that shouldn't happen to anybody. Oh, don't, 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 don't twist it. Don't get confused. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be cheese ball smiles all the time. It, it does mean that you have one that is willing and able and ready to walk alongside of you and help you through all of life, including live your life without sin. How about it? Will you focus on Jesus, the only name that can save? A fourth thing that they did was they decided they would be countercultural. How did they do that? They did it even through Peter in this particular sermon. The first sermon on the first day of the birthday of the church, Pentecost, which will be celebrated June the 9th this year in the calendar. They decided they'd be countercultural. We must be countercultural. Peter's preaching to a Jewish audience. He says three or four things. One, repent. Repent. What? Repent. What's it mean? It means to turn. If that's the way of the world and this is the way of the cross, we're to turn. We're to turn our back on sin and we're to turn our lives toward Christ and the cross. But sometimes in American theology, we do a 360. Repentance is a 180. It does not go like this. Hey, thanks for saving my soul, big fella. I'll get with you later. Give me a warning. Maybe when you get to Clearfield, let me know so I can come to the altar at Hyde Wesleyan and repent of my sins. Really, to make sure that I'm going to heaven. I still got some living I'm going to do. No, repentance is that that's the way of the world and this is the way of the cross. I have directed my feet, my life, my thoughts, my future, my legacy toward Jesus and there is no turning back. Peter's preaching that on this day. What do you mean? I thought I had to follow the law and I was a good guy. He also said to be baptized. 
Some of you will have the opportunity on the 28th of April to be baptized, to declare your inward faith in an outward expression. I'm not going to let anybody dunk me. It's more than dunking. It represents the very cleansing power of God and you are not ashamed of the gospel that has saved your soul. You don't care. As a matter of fact, invite all of your friends on April the 28th and be baptized, Peter would say, if he was here today. He said that they should receive the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to do that. It simply is a prayer. Lord, would you pour your spirit out on me? That's it. It has to be more than that. That is it. Will you be open to receiving the power of the Holy Spirit? And then he says, save yourself and your children from this corrupt generation. Some people think that that means you should crawl in a hole. That, that is not what that means. That means all of God's children need to be saved. That means that the gospel is for all nations. That means that the flags that you see around here and the penny marks that kids are walking around and collecting money for an orphanage in Zimbabwe, that means that God has come for every living creature called humanity and that he desires that none of them would perish but be saved. I'm getting ready to accept a mantle June the 1st. I'm feeling compelled to do it. It's not something that I aspired to do. I allowed my name to be considered to be president of a university. I start June the 1st. I was just elected two weeks ago. It's called Oklahoma Wesleyan University. It's in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Part of the reason that I'm willing to let my name run is because there is a generation who needs to understand that it's okay to stand for Jesus. That it's okay to stand for the scriptures. That it's okay to stand for heaven. And it's okay to depopulate hell. That's okay, church. I'm willing to accept the challenges of Christian higher education and the overreach of government saying that you no longer have religious liberty in our land. You no longer will be able to somehow use these government funds through whatever kinds of way they come to a Christian university to be able to proclaim the gospel. There is censorship like you would not believe. And I am willing to put myself there. Not because I'm a hero. I'm just doing it because I believe that God is calling me to do it. One idea that I got this morning, by the way, it's a little bit of a side note. Don't let me distract you too much. I'm going to bring all these children with me with, with, can, with, bucket, with cups. We're going to have a hundred march, not a penny march. <laughs> I literally have to raise millions of dollars starting June the 1st to be able to reach the next generation for Jesus. It's okay, church, to take the right stand. About two or three years ago now, I was on a flight from LaGuardia Airport in New York City to Syracuse, New York. I was going up there to work with a church and do what I'm doing with you and, and uh, come alongside and try to encourage them. And I was on the plane already and there was a young man that came and he was going to sit next to me, but he uh, turned the air blue, if you know what I mean, and I'll explain it if you don't. He got onto the plane and he started yelling, blankety blank this plane and blankety blank the pilot and blankety blank my boss and blankety blank my girlfriend that I'm living with. I should be working for an honest day. I should be putting in an honest day. 
day. I shouldn't be living with my girlfriend. Blankety blank, 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 blank. And he was loud and obnoxious. And he's sitting next to me. He explains the fact that he's going up to the Salmon River where they let salmon down this river. It's like fishing in a barrel. And he's going fishing, but he's really going up there to get stoned. He also explains the fact that he has in his duffel bag so many milligrams of heroin and he's going to get ripped out of his mind. He's going to be with some other woman. He's not supposed to be fornicating with his girlfriend. He's not supposed to be cheating his boss. He's clocked in. He's not at work. Ha, ha, ha. Blankety blank them all. And then he looks at me and he says, by the way, what do you do for a living? <laughs> come to me, my children, come. You can't write this stuff. Once in a while, I'm a smart aleck. I didn't do this to him. But once in a while, somebody asks me what I do for a living. And I tell him I sell fire insurance. You'll have to explain that at lunch. I'll try. Do you sell home insurance? No, mansion insurance. Do you sell auto? No, life insurance. No, no cars. Kind of like Mackinac Island. We don't need any cars up there. This guy, I kindly looked at him and I said, uh, I, I'm, a I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To which he responded, oh, boop. <laughs> He didn't beep for those of you who are confused right now. <laughs> he looked at me and he said this. I bet you hate people like me. My name's Jim. What's yours? Kyle. Kyle, I don't hate you. Why would I hate you? I just came in here, blankety-blanked all over the place, and, and I, 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 I know I'm not supposed to be cheating my boss. I know I'm supposed to put in an honest day, but I'm clocked in. I'm not there. And you know, blankety-blank him, and I know that I'm not supposed to be fornicating. A man and a woman are supposed to come together, and they're supposed to not have sex until they get married. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to do that again with a stranger that I've met online this weekend. I know I'm not supposed to be blowing my mind out with heroin. I, I, I know all this stuff. I said, yeah, that's really interesting, Kyle. How do you know all that stuff? Do you, do you know that you're actually quoting scripture? Yeah, I know. But blankety blank it. Okay. How do you know that stuff? My daddy's a pastor. Does he hate you? No. Does your mom hate you? No, she prays for me every day. Huh. He looked at me after a little while and he said, you're just kind of different. I said, I, well, first of all, I know I'm taking up half of your seat. I kind of do that to people on a plane, but that is kind of unique. They think you're welcome. What, what makes you different? You know, I, I do this. It's not a test. It's just kind of who I am. It's just, I'm going to be who I am, you know, and I'm going to say what I want to say, and I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to be true to myself, you know. So, so I just kind of do this, and I'll, I'll sit next to a Christian somewhere, and maybe, maybe even at work, and the, the, one guy asked to be reseated. People hang up the phone on me. And I, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, I can't blame them. I mean, you're out of control. You're a mess. But I, I didn't say that. I just looked at him, and I said, I'm sorry. He said, why are you sorry? 
I said, because somebody who represents the grace and truth of Jesus Christ should not treat anybody like trash. You're made in the image of God. Sometimes you don't sound like it, but you are made in the image of God. Sometimes you don't act like it, but you are made in the image of God. And I'm told that I should love you, not hate you. A little while longer, he asked me to pray for him. We, we did not go forward to the cockpit and get saved. I did not baptize him in the laboratory. <laughs> Before I prayed, he said, now don't pray like some loud preacher. I hate those blankety-blank prayers. They drive me crazy, so you want me to be quiet like you're not, right? Yeah. So I prayed. I prayed that God would get a hold of his life. I prayed that God would answer his parents' prayers. I prayed that God would bring him back to the faith that he knows and the scriptures that he knows. I prayed that God would change his life. I looked up and his, his, he had tears coming down his face. He asked me for my card. I gave him my card. He asked if he could email me. I told him yes. I, he asked if he could call me. I told him yes anytime. I'll talk to him any day of the week. You know why? Because I hope someday that Kyle gets it right. I hope someday that he turns his life to Jesus. I hope someday that he's restored in whatever faith his parents put into him as a little boy. I hope someday that he'll choose Jesus as his Savior. There are Kyles all over the place out here, church, and they need Jesus. They don't know what blankety-blank is, quite frankly, and they need to know Jesus. And we have a message that we could be so full of him that his grace comes out of us first, but don't you ever back away from the truth. Just start with grace, please. It's high time for the church to tell people what she's for instead of what she's against. The body of Christ has cut off her hands and her feet, Aristotle said, and all she is is a big mouth telling everybody what she's against. I'm for life, I'm for marriage, I'm for the sacredness of the womb, I'm for freedom. I'm for even enterprise if you'll do it for the kingdom. I'm for joy. I'm for hope. By the way, I'm for the supernatural. Because if you're going to have a conversation with Kyle, you've got to have some supernatural power just to restrain yourself a little bit. If you'll believe in the supernatural, if you'll dream what if God would pour his spirit out, if you'll focus on Jesus, if you'll, if you'll dare to be countercultural, not anti-cultural, but countercultural, if you'll dare to be the church, that's the fifth thing they did. They were the church in Acts 2.42 to the end of the chapter. They gave themselves to biblical teaching, to fellowship, to breaking the bread and to prayer. They, this church is giving itself in working on a discipleship pathway that all of you need to go through. Some of you say, I've been in church for 30 years. It'd be time for a refresher course. Some people say, I don't know what any of this is about. It'd be time for you to jump in. There will be a discipleship pathway. It doesn't sound like it's any fun, but I hope there's tailgating in the parking lot waiting for the next day for the class to start. That every person in this church will get closer to Jesus and walk with him and talk with him and witness for him. 
There will also be emphasis in, in pouring ourselves into the next generation that we would be unwilling as a church for all those kids that you saw come in here, for all the teenagers that might paint their hair green. You're going to paint your hairs blue someday, so get over it. There are going to be all kinds of kids coming through the ministry of this church with a facility like this, and they need Jesus, and this church is committing that the next generation is not going to hell. They're going to heaven with the hope of Christ, and they're taking their entire family with them. How about it? Will you dare to be discipled? Will you dare to give yourself to the next generation? Will you dare to commit your time and your hours and your energy to the ministry of the gospel through Hyde Wesleyan Church? Will you be the church that God's dream of, if you will, if you'll believe in the supernatural, if you'll focus on Jesus, if you'll say, Lord, pour your spirit out, if you're willing to be countercultural, if you're willing to be the church, get ready, get ready, Hyde. God wants to do the supernatural through you. you stand? Will you bow your heads with me? I hope you're asking in your heart. If you believe the message, you believe the truth what the Holy Spirit is capable of. Ask in your heart, Lord, how would you use me, filled by your Spirit, to be a part of this work? God is on the move. And he invites us to be a part of his work. What a privilege. Lord Jesus, we are your willing vessels. We ask that you would help us to be ready today to be used by you. Thank you for the church, the church of Jesus Christ that you still, Jesus, choose to use. And we admit our brokenness and our blemishes. We admit our faults and our failures. And Lord, we want to be more like you. Thank you for grace and for truth. And for the ability you alone give us, Lord, to live in that tension. Give us your grace today. Help us to be the ambassadors you've called us to be. Lord, I pray for the possibility of the one in this place this morning who's not in right relationship with you, who is convicted by your Holy Spirit of the way they are living their life, the way they are walking in opposition to the creator of the universe. Lord, I pray that if today, this day, this moment, they would surrender to your salvation, to your lordship. I pray, God, that if today your Holy Spirit would do that work inside of them, that they would tell someone. That they would humble themselves to admit that today and they gave their life to Christ. And God, if they do, I pray that we would celebrate with them and many, many others. Go with us from this place, God. Fill us again with your spirit in all ways. I pray in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen.
Amen. God bless you. Would you go?